Tony from Cap City Crown, joined today from the Clee Myself and I podcast, Clee himself and John. Today we're going to be talking about the protests happening happening around the NBA, led off by the Milwaukee Bucks, starting a movement around not just the NBA, but sports in general. A lot of people taking the lead and boycotting their games. So, John Clee. You have anything to say? I'm just going to throw, throw you right in. Sean, why don't you start off? Okay. Um, well, I mean, it's interesting. If you want to start just there and not at the deal. Anywhere you want. You can, you can, you can start wherever you feel. Because I feel well, like most people know let's what's start, happening. Let's, let's start with the idea. Because you, you started at the beginning. That's a good place to start. The idea that a team would i mean i want to clarify something first i have a question when they initially boycotted the game were they doing it with the possibility or the expectation that they were going to forfeit the game i believe that they went into it not knowing and they were prepared to forfeit the game right what i've read okay that a team would do that because i mean there's a reason we're talking about it. It accomplished what it needed to accomplish. It proved that what you wrote in the article about this, uh, that, that this, there's a lot of things going on right now that are really, really, really important that are bigger than basketball. And, you know, the effort to bring it, you know, the league back in spite of a global pandemic showed a lot of, you know, use of resources and excellent coordination and organization. And then to be able to kind of bounce off that, um, led by the players, to generate this kind of movement that you're talking about, where the momentum just, it was just, it was roaring. And uh, look at us now. And uh, it's pretty incredible. And I think that regardless of anything, like these guys are hanging up their hats and saying like this stuff that is very important to us this stuff that we've dedicated our lives to it can it can wait yeah enough's enough right that's what they're saying they're prepared to do what they can do and they're using their platform to you know state um or make a statement and what a way to use your platform yeah not to just like you know, play a game and then at the inter- end of an interview, give a shout out or something like that, or to just wear it on your jersey. It's to just literally turn the light off on your platform and go, no, look over there. Yeah, no, exactly. And, you know, I remember Kyrie Irving uh, at, before the bubble even opened. He was opposed to the bubble even happening with uh, the George Floyd shooting and protests. Mm-hmm. Or not shooting, I'm sorry, death of George Floyd and the protests. And, I don't know. He's looking. At, he, he was kind of seen as, I don't know, maybe kind of the crazier guy at that point. But now he's looking a little. I remember that. Time. I remember that. I remember when the because the, the league came out with the plan, like in right in the heat of that, mm-hmm. and it a lot of people were commenting about that was a little bit of bad taste, perhaps. And so, I mean. I don't know if it, it necessarily was bad taste because you got to do what you got to do, I guess. 
you know. But mm-hmm. um, it definitely shows in the long run that people like Kyrie Irving and, you know, anybody else who was on that side were really showcasing some foresight. <laughs> yeah, no, definitely. So, ability to kind of be like, hey, and that's really, that's, I think that deserves to be applauded a lot. Because in terms of sports, I feel like Kyrie Irving gets a lot of shit. Oh, it's like, pardon my language. Uh, no, it's okay. You can cast on this podcast. He's, he's a very, he's, you know, like his whole experience in Boston, I think, is enough to show you that he's not the greatest person to work with. Mm-hmm. But you got to hand it to him that uh, uh, that he would be able to kind of do what is one of the most important things in an age where, like, we wake up one day and we have something on our mind, and then we wake up the next day, and there's something different to occupy our mind. We kind of do this peekaboo thing where it's just like something new every time. It's just open, close, open, close. And you can hardly focus on anything. And so that shows a lot of good, like, just like being in a good space and seeing it clearly and having a good perspective on it. That just, I think that's not only something that should be a plotted for the fact that it's you know good of him it's just it's beneficial to everybody when someone can act like like that and take a lead or something like that i think it's the kind of thinking that we need in this situation because it you know the problems that we have they've only gotten worse it seems like yeah there's more divide going on now and mm. there's more <clears throat> chance for peace i suppose in the actions that the nba has taken these last few days yeah and you know what the nba and just as a league itself they're just a lot more progressive than you know the nfl the nhl and mlb this isn't total like they totally support the players they have seemed like they've been uh supporting the players for quite some time uh like the i can't breathe t-shirts they were totally okay with that i'm not sure if that would have been okay in the nfl or mlb obviously with the <laughs> nfl and the kneeling that was a whole you know, the NFL was yes. totally against it and blackballing Kaepernick to this day. Um, MLB, not too many African-American players in the MLB as the NFL and the NBA. So I think that message gets lost a little. Mm-hmm. Any thoughts on that? I mean, they're uh, definitely stepping up. They've canceled their games and they're fair. in support of kneeling. I think it's fair to say that. I mean, that's just the demographic of the league. Mm-hmm. Um but I think what the MLB has done well is that, I mean, maybe this isn't so much uh, indicative of the league as a whole, but in terms of the Giants and Dodgers, like, that was pretty much a player's decision. Like, that was both teams kind of coming together, like, we shouldn't play this game. Mm-hmm. It wasn't that kind of, that wasn't that the first baseball game? That- I believe the, the Brewers canceled first. Okay. They canceled their, which makes sense, right? And then I believe other teams. So, yeah, I started with the Bucks. Started with the Bucks and then the NBA. Then it moved to baseball. Uh, I'm not, and then I know MLS, some games got canceled. WNBA got canceled. Tennis, there was like some open happening that got canceled or postponed, I should say, not canceled. And then the NHL continued to play their games that day. But then the next day, they postponed their playoff games. So it was kind of a ripple effect. Mm-hmm. And people but are noticing. I suppose uh, 
going off of that, uh, just hearing about the experience in the locker rooms for the Giants and Dodgers is mm-hmm. that in terms of what the MLB has done well, is it gives their teams basically kind of freedom to kind of like have deliberation and talk about it in their own separate locker rooms. Because I think that's what was going on in the Giants locker room. And, you know, the Giants and Dodgers sent essentially delegates to each other to basically, you know, talk it out. And it was a very, like, organized and democratic thing. So I think in terms of leagues going the right way, the MLB has done something really well by basically not, you know, taking too much control. Yeah, right. It's not stepping in the way. They're letting this yeah. happen. And they're they're recognizing this as an important issue, which is huge in itself. Mm-hmm. So, Clee, do you have any thoughts on this? You've been quiet over there. You're yes. the Clee and Clee, myself, and I. Let me hear your thoughts. Uh, yes. Yeah, so, uh, I decided to um, boycott for, you know, a couple days, right? Mm-hmm. And then they're starting back up tomorrow. Uh, what about that deal? Oh, the deal. Um, well, yeah, today they came out with the deal. I'm trying to pull up the specific information. They agreed to resume the playoffs on Saturday with social justice initiatives. Um, uh, this is from the uh, from the NBA on Twitter. The league and its players' union announced that the NBA will restart the playoffs on Saturday after players refused to continue in response to the police shooting of Jacob Blake in Wisconsin. The agreement included a series of commitments, including the establishment of a social justice coalition, the conversion of team arenas into voting locations for the November presidential election, and the creation of advertisement spots and playoff games to promote civic engagement. So, I mean... I, you're gonna get back to get back to work, but put something in place, put an immediate action out there. That's that seems like a pretty pretty sound way, st- sound strategy. Mm-hmm. I like the, the the the. It'd be interesting to see what the situation is with the voting centers, because I'm sure in you know Los Angeles, which apparently LeBron James had already started working with the Dodgers to turn. Lost uh, Dodger Stadium into a voting slash polling center, mm-hmm. so that was already kind of something brewing. But like those are Democratic areas. Uh, Republicans, not to get too political, um, are more on the line for the ideas of voter suppression. That's something that works for them. Yeah. Uh, vote, statistically speaking, low voter, voter turnout usually works for Republicans in national elections. Uh, so it'd be interesting to see. You know, Georgia has a, well, Atlanta is a democratically run city. Uh, maybe a better example, something in maybe Texas or something. I don't know. Like, like is that just going to be something that they're going to allow? Like, all of a sudden, we're going to let the sports stadium be a voting center. Like, do we really expect that to just go into effect? Like I said, yeah. for the most no, part, totally it's agree. probably going to be no problem. Like, I'm sure Sacramento... I'm sure I believe, yeah, they probably don't have any problem at all. And I believe Arco, uh, now Sleep Train Arena, that was already being, or was allowed to be used as a polling center. So Vivek Ranadive, a very progressive guy himself in the NBA, 
uh, he'll probably have no problem letting a Golden One Center be used as a polling place. Nice. The G1. You ever call it the G1? The G1. Uh, you know, I created that definition on Urban Dictionary, and I use it every now and then. I'm like, yeah, the G1. Trying to get it to catch on. Uh, become yeah, famous. I hear you. But that's a good point. I, I hear you. Like, yeah, I mean, Texas is conservative state. Conservative state. Mm-hmm. Just any instance where there's, you know, not every Republican is going to be like that, but you know, the, the 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 career politician Republicans. If it's a run by that particular party, both in the state and local government, that's kind of what I'm talking about. I don't yeah. know. I can't come up with a specific example off the top of my head. but um, Yeah, and then the TV spots, too, in the playoffs. I mean, there you go. You're sacrificing a lot of advertising money. And you talk about the amount of money that the NBA makes, the majority of it, and I researched this a lot when they were thinking about bringing the season back, but uh, the majority of the money that the league takes in is advertisement money during the finals. And the playoffs as a whole. Yeah. Like, that's awesome, then, to be able to sacrifice that. I think I made a comment on my podcast just wondering about uh, things initially. Uh, I was initially hearing about it. Uh, just about ratings being down and anything like that having any effect. I don't really think that has an effect. Um, thinking back at it now, uh, especially the idea that they're going to sacrifice presumably a hefty portion of their advertising to, to, to benefit civic engagement and, and, and what have you. Well, well, I mean, it's also, you have to look at the NBA. They're down 40% in revenue. This is going to hurt them financially. And the real question is, will uh, players, you know, maybe like next year or the year after, are they going to are they going to sign players for less money because of uh, the lower revenue? I, I don't know. I mean, um, I know that teams, individual teams, make their most, most of their money from local TV broadcasts. Mm-hmm. Advertising there. Advertisement's the main thing. Uh, so naturally, that's the case. Yes, but what I'm saying is NBA as a whole, including the teams, uh, viewership well, I, I, is down. I'm, 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 building, I'm building up. I'm building up. I'm basically, I agree with you. Uh, uh, I, it's interesting. I don't know, I have an answer, but just to kind of pile on the, 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 the facts here. So there's missing revenue there because the third of the season, not a third, what, two weeks, Tony, of the season? Yeah, I believe it was 18 games. Eight, eight. Eight, you got 18 games. 18 eight games. Quarter. Yeah, it's a pretty significant amount of games in the NBA. So local TV broadcasts are slashed at that point um, on top of all that. And teams, you know, the league makes money through advertising in the playoffs. It trickles down to the teams, obviously. So, I mean, yeah, that's a huge gap. I mean, how is, how is it? That's a, that's a big hiccup of a year financially. Like, I don't understand where there's missing money there, I think is the, your point there. Yeah. <laughs> In which case, I think those this missing money will be uh, well. You'll definitely see it in uh, contracts that will be made, you know, in the short term future. 
not the long-term future, as, you know, ratings can still increase, in which case there will be ref- more revenue to pay, uh, you know, players, depending on how well they do and everything like that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It'll be interesting to see. Yeah, it will be. Clee, how do you feel, changing the subject a little, how do you feel about mixing um, issues, like political issues, social justice issues with sports? You think the Bucks are doing the right thing? You think sports are doing the right thing using their platform? Uh, financially, no. Uh, a- a- as you can see across all all sports that have been, um, you know, mixing politics and sports. Uh, I guess that's what you said, right? Yeah, you know, using yeah. their platform to speak. Yeah, using their platform uh, to make you know statements. You can see that. Uh, viewership is, you know, starting to go down in all these sports that are doing it. The question is, is it because of uh, that or is it because of other factors? Mm-hmm. No, you know, that's from, a good... Yeah, yeah it, keeps, it keeps talking. Sorry. Oh, no, continue. Uh, I wasn't going to say anything. <laughs> I feel like I interrupted you. You well, go with your point. It, if you did interrupt me, well, guess what? I, I already forgot. <laughs> but so just maybe let's backtrack. Maybe you can yeah. pivot off of what you just said. Uh, just you said that you brought up a, the point of why viewership is down. Like. Oh, yes, yes. So I think the question is why viewership is down. You have some people saying, oh, it's because of all this um, – you know, political statements, wokeness, uh, social justice issues being talked about in sports, and people are like, I just want to watch sports. Mm-hmm. Then you have other factors like, well, uh, I think I'd rather play a video game than watch sports. Are you saying like the inverse of the first thing? Like you have people that are turned off by the social justice thing in sports. Yeah. You have the people that aren't watching sports because there's other things going on. Yeah. There's like other things going on. Sure. So that's just double deficit there. in your Yeah. Uh-huh. You know, it could be either the two. It could be both of the two. You know, it could be, you know, the possibilities are, you know, limited, but also at the same time, endless. Yeah. There's a lot of, of possibilities. The reason. Yeah, combinations and whatnot. Mm-hmm. So, are you seeing as like an owner? If you were an owner of an NBA team, Clay, you would be a little skeptical of this because it, you'd be losing revenue. Yes. Or if I was alternatively, if I can bring this up, maybe just to play devil's advocate, uh-huh. you're okay with it because you're like, oh, what the hell? They're not going to watch it anyways, regardless if they play. Yeah. Not. I mean, like, isn't that the idea? Yes, it could go either way. Uh, you know, as, as we've seen with the NFL, for example, a lot of owners are business mind, have a business mindset. They don't care about these other issues that are going on. They just want to make money. They want their team to make money. They want to win. They want that fame. Uh, but then you also have, uh, you know, these other uh, owners you know, like, uh, what is it? The Raiders owner? You yeah. know, he, yeah, he, he's pretty big on saying, like, you know, Black Lives Matter, social justice, that sort of thing. And, 
Yeah. Hmm. Um, yeah, well, it's interesting. Well, when you start thinking about it, because in the NBA's situation, it's, it seems very player-led. Uh, mm-hmm. uh, and in the NFL, it was player-led. It had to be. It's always yes. going to be player-led for the most part. Even the mm-hmm. thing we talked about with the MLB. Yeah. So, like, Clee makes mm-hmm. up a. Clee makes a. I think Clee's overall thesis of what he's been saying here is that owners, regardless of what's going on, regardless if they agree with something or not, they would, at the end of the day, like to make a profit. Exactly. That's what their life. Like, that's, that's what they do. Mm-hmm. Um, that's why and, they bought the team. To a yeah. point, they bought a team because they want to make money. Yeah, they like sports, and they, you know, it's awesome to own a team and try to build a winning, a winning team and a, bring a championship to a city. Yeah. But at the same time, it's, it's a business. And right, if they wanted to lose money, they'd buy a bar. <laughs> you know, I mean, uh, I guess, I guess, then they have a lot of like it becomes very strategic for them. Now I don't know where this this point goes to. I don't I don't know if you had it a, a like a further idea of where you were going with that, Cleet. You had something, but I mean, that's just always something to keep in mind. Can I bring up a point? Um, kind of based enough of what Clee was talking about, how owners they want to make money and they care about money probably more than they do social justice. Maybe not all, but probably a good amount. Mm-hmm. Um, in the 92 teams in the NFL, NBA, and uh, MLB, how do you say MLB? NBA, NFL, M- MLB. Um, you, nailed it. you nailed it. I nailed it. Okay, I think. There's only one African-American owner, and that would be Michael Jordan himself. Mm. Um, do, you think, do you think it would think there would be different uh, a mindset of owners if it would say even 30%? or African-American, because I'm assuming that they would be more into this political movement and they wouldn't, they wouldn't care so much. Cause I mean, at the same point, these people are billionaires. I get it. Nobody wants to lose money, but mm-hmm. they have a little more spending money to lose than, you know, you and I do. And they'd probably be more, they'd probably be okay with losing some money to bring up political issues like black lives matter. Mm-hmm. I'd say maybe it depends on the individual. Yeah, totally. Yeah. Yeah, because you know, it, it could it could easily fall into the like by appearance. It seems like it would be racial, but you have to take it into account all the like it's it, it's more of a class thing than it is a race thing. I think at that point, when someone's in that position, mm-hmm. I just so it, I I think it can go either way. But Clea, I'll let you go. Sorry to interrupt. Uh, well, yeah, it. Every individual has their own goal, you know, whether they're uh, black or white or Hispanic uh, or Asian uh, or, you know, other races. Um, you know, they, they, they all ultimately they want to make money. And it's up to the individual to, uh, to decide whether they want to you know, lose money in a way to fight for these social justice issues or, you know, to go and say like, Hey, snap, snap, get a move on. 
I want to make my money. And yeah. uh, what what you brought up is what if more uh, what what if the ownership was more diverse mm-hmm. uh, between the ninety two uh, major sports teams in America. And uh, you know it's quite possible that you know things were you know everything would remain the same, but it's also quite possible that you know they'd do more for social justice than money. Mm-hmm. You know, it's quite possibly both. Um, but like I said, it it really depends on the individual owner of what their mindset goal is. Yeah, I mean, I think I think I think maybe what you're trying to say, Clee, is like there's so many possibilities, but maybe the whole point is that's not the case, and maybe that's the problem. Like, like yes, I mean, you brought up uh, you know the whole classism uh, thing. You know, this you, you brought up how, you know, in the end of the day, it's more about class than it is about race. Mm-hmm. If uh, I <laughs> if that, that that's what you said, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I just uh, the reason I was facially reacting like that uh, was because there's a helicopter going by and I didn't want it to pick up on the microphone. Oh, um, but yeah, yeah, yeah. That's the crux of it. Yeah. Yeah. John, what about your your viewpoint on mixing politics and sports and uh, athletes using their platform to speak up? Um, I think what's interesting is uh, you made a point in the article yesterday that eighty percent of the NBA is black. Mm-hmm. It's it's a so this is immediately a very personal issue for likely 80% of the league, mm-hmm. you know, not to mention the coaches and whatnot and anybody else involved on a team. So I think this is because I don't expect uh, the uh, like this whole talk about the owners, like you don't expect them, don't assume anything with them. Just it never starts with the owners for a reason. But when it comes to the players, I think there's no problem with it. I think that the the what the NBA, you know, Players Association, if there if that is such the thing, uh, has done is they've knocked it out of the park. This is a very big thing for them. This is if if even if someone was against like politics and sports, like if someone was like, look, LeBron James shouldn't be saying that he's going to vote for, you know, you know X, Y, or Z. Like, it's hard to imagine that they would keep, if they're a reasonable person, to keep that same argument for this instance. Like I said, it's a, it's a not just national issue, it's, it's become an issue that has got global eyes on it. And it's so personal. It's so huge, yet it's so, like, dead in the heart. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So it's like, I don't know how I feel, because I... I I don't think it's going to benefit an athlete if he's going to go political. Uh, you know, being an athlete requires a lot of focus in, on the one thing that you need to focus on, which is your, your body, basically, and your team. Um, it's, it, I can't see someone being super poli- – I mean, uh, Damian Lillard's a fucking rapper, so I don't know. Uh, and he's, he's one of the best players in the league. Like, I don't know. Um, <laughs> but uh, 
I, th- I think my answer to the question is it probably depends because there's just times where it's like, I think that if it doesn't affect your play and it, you're, you're really passionate about it and it's something that's important, it's fine. Like, what the fuck? Why would that be an issue? Mm-hmm. And a lot of athletes, athletes, like, aren't the same thing as celebrities. They're not the same thing as actors. So, like, I wouldn't try to group that argument together. You know, people moaning about Meryl Streep getting too political on the Oscar stage or some crap like that. It's its own thing, and it requires its own conversation. And I think it's very, like, case to case. You got to kind of, you know, take it based on the instance. But... Yeah, I guess that'd be yeah. it. I, I think another thing about when a player goes political is they open themselves up to, you know, other criti- criticisms. For example, remember uh, the whole China thing with the NBA? Mm-hmm. How, uh, you know, they were, how, you know, individuals are basically going like, uh, where, where, where someone like LeBron James, and it's all right, you already got banned off uh, Reddit, Tony. Yeah, <laughs> off I got, yeah, I got banned off uh, of the NBA subreddit for posting one of my articles that didn't agree with LeBron James's political viewpoints. Anyways. And, and, anyways, uh, you know, people will go and say, oh, what about Hong Kong? What about the Uyghurs? Because, you know, they're talking about uh, Black Lives Matter, what's going on in America. And NBA is a pretty big market in China. Huge. And, yeah. and yet no one will talk about China's human rights abuses. Right. It's like what we said. It, 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 it's like all about the money. It starts, with, it starts from the top there, though. And the interesting thing about LeBron is LeBron is the top of the NBA. So um, he's not like other players. So, like, it also becomes that thing where, like, again, like, I understand players would only get, like, players that only get political about things that are in their own backyard, so to speak. You know what I mean? Like, yes. And it's also and hard. We, do, we do live in a country, too, where the, 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 the human rights violations that occur in China are not very much, they're not ubiquitous. In the news, it's not something you see all the time. Mm-hmm. It's 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 you really have to like be wanting to hear the news. To you really have to kind of put in a little bit of an effort to get good news sources. So it's like I'm not gonna. I feel like I've been really tough, but uh, in the past on things, I'm still pretty tough on LeBron. Um, but uh, I feel like in the player sense, it's like yeah, but I'm not gonna get angry at the guy on the corner of the street over there, not. Knowing what the who the Uyghurs are, I mean, like, there's it starts the the problem with Americans' opinions on that starts with their their sources of information. Yeah, that's fair. But I think I don't know if I went a little too off topic there. Uh, no, you're good. Kind of it's a good topic. I mean, it definitely relates to this and NBA protests and what they choose to protest and what they don't. Right, and I suppose what I was going with that was the idea that again, it's the owners though. Yeah. So the owners exactly. are like, look, we make a bunch of money in China. Yeah. Guys, don't talk about them. Like, they're a business partner. The police mm-hmm. unions don't fucking fund the NBA whatsoever, you know? Yeah. Uh-huh. Law enforcement doesn't help them out. 
again, you have to be skeptical of the rich guy in charge. You know, he's thinking about money. Of course. So it just always kind of just comes back to that, I think. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I agree. Clay, anything to add to that? Uh, no, I, I believe John covered it pretty well. Well, that's good. Do you have anything else to add to anything before I change the topics to more Sacramento-based? I think that I think that's pretty much. You can go in whatever direction you'd like. I'm just trying to think here. So I, I think as Sacramento Kings fans, and maybe just Sacramento, it's a more uh, you know left-minded town. Uh, diverse, of course, and it's nice to have an owner in Vivek Ranadive who is a minority himself. And he's totally King. Social media is great. They're they're always posting about social justice issues, um, like Women Equality Day. I believe was yesterday or a couple of days ago. Today's the March on Washington, and then yesterday there was a protest in downtown Sacramento. Clee, can you give some updates about that? Yes. So there were two protests, uh, one by uh, this one group, and they were pretty peaceful. They hung out around uh, Cesar Chavez Park. Mm -hmm. Um, But then right after that uh, protest, uh, you had another protest. And uh, according to, uh, you know, the local news, KCRA 3, it was Antifa. And what they do? Well, basically, they marched around, uh, and they spray painted, uh, you know, businesses, basically saying, you know, a cab, which is all police are, uh, you know, b words. The b word is uh, someone who does not know their father, or something similar to that. <laughs> That's what the b word stands for. Um, then you also had uh, spray painting and uh, smashing of windows uh, in the uh, D- at the DA's office downtown, mm-hmm. and uh, uh, the sheriff's office. And uh, they're going to be protesting again tonight. I, I I don't know if it's the same group, although I think individuals in that group will be in the at the protest tonight if it's not the same group but i i i i can't remember uh yeah you know they they also uh threaten you know the news uh the local news stations that were live streaming the protest or i i guess you can call it a riot since they were breaking windows mm-hmm. and stuff um purposely blocking it out and the question is, where will the protests go tonight? Will they go to Golden One and, you know, smash their windows? Because it, it, it was pretty nearby the Capitol. Yeah, Cesar Chavez is somewhat close. And it's yeah. important to make a distinction that things cease to be protests when people that weren't initially involved are getting involved. You're saying people are coming to town and things are getting worse? Well, I'm saying things will probably get worse tonight. It's um, just it's just it's a shame when it, the the movement gets like disregarded like that. Yeah. 
And like I said, I'm talking about the second protest that happened yesterday, not the first protest. Mm -hmm. First protest went down to uh, see um, Daryl Steinberg. And, you know, uh, they talked about uh, Daryl Steinberg, who is the mayor of Sacramento, uh, saying, like, you you talk this way in public, but you don't talk this way in private. Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah, they they had an argument about that. Mm-hmm. And we all know Daryl Steinberg. He's the type of guy where it's like his way or the highway. Yes, very much so. Yeah. Oh yeah, I wrote a, I wrote a, not to plug myself. I wrote an article about Daryl Steinberg when the George Floyd thing first erupted. I'm like, don't trust that guy. Yeah. Really, that's the first time hearing about this. Just don't yeah, trust. Well, don't maybe, trust maybe those mayors should. that are all of a sudden like. They stand with this, and they change their profile picture to them kneeling, like Daryl Steinberg did. That's mm. like name me something Daryl Steinberg's done, and then also look at his track record too. He's he doesn't give like a crap about people who live in poor neighborhoods in Sacramento if it means developing the city. And I get wanting to build the economy and whatnot like that, and and, and all that stuff, and, and and revitalizing downtown. But it's just like. It's ruthless. You remember the Stefan Clark shooting? Yeah. And there was a bunch of uh, protesters going up for months afterwards, uh, still uh, going up to city council meetings. And the treatment, that's the way he yells at people is very, you can see kind of like who this guy is. He tells people to sit down. He doesn't listen to them. He's, he's very, very my way or the highway, Clee, you're right. <laughs> Yeah. He's got the gavel. Yep. Mm-hmm. How do you feel about protests turning, I guess, into riots? Because some people are like advocating to a point for riots to be heard. So you know, like the people say, like again, I'm protesting. We've been protesting for uh, decades. Like we have to do something else. What are your thoughts on that? I well, think... here. Oh, go ahead. Go ahead. Okay. Here are my thoughts on it. Uh, riots become very, very unpopular. Uh, you know, I'll get into, I, I guess I'll have to get into national politics just to give you an example. But yeah, very recently, uh, you know, the Democrats have been, you know, kind of silent on uh, the riots that have been happening throughout the country for a couple months now. Um, but very recently, you know, you, you had Trump, who's like, I'm a hard on crime individual, and that that's he, that does well for voters. Democrats um, had to go and basically conform and go like, all right, we we gotta we gotta call out the riots, and now they're doing that mm-hmm. um, because voters, many people, not just voters, don't like the riots, mm-hmm. and. Uh, you know, I, I remember when George Floyd protests happened, you know, I saw everyone on all the pol- all, on all the political spectrums, except, you know, the white supremacists and those people. Uh, you know, I, I saw them all go and say, oh, man, this is pretty horrendous. But then the riots started to happen. And those people that said this is horrendous, you know, they started to change their mindset of the George. Uh, of what what happened to George Floyd, um, I, I said riots, right? 
when the riots happened. Uh huh. Yeah, you yeah. said that. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So when the riots happened, you know, people changed their perception. They were no longer going like, "Oh, this is a terrible act, and we need to do something about George Floyd." They were like, "No, we we got to end these riots." It changed the topic from uh, what happened to George Floyd and police brutality to we got to end these riots. Mm -hmm. And so I don't think the riots are good for, uh, you know, uh, for. For making a point for bettering their statement. Yeah, Yeah, for bettering their statement. I think it hurts their point and I think it hurts their point severely. John. I mean, I think I think we got to start with the idea that a lot of the organizers of protests um, undoubtedly start peaceful protests. And it's also undoubtable that any violence and chaos that erupts directly jumps off the diving board that, you know, a mob of people creates. You know what I mean? Anytime you organize a bunch of people it gets to be very big and people can start to do mischievous things. Mm-hmm. Just, just, just important to note that there's no, not always should we assume that organizers of a protest are in any way coordinating with organizers of people who are inciting discord and looting and riots. You, it's just, they are directly related because one can't exist without the other, mm-hmm. but they're not the same thing. Um, but I think that the violence and all that stuff, with that being said, is that's it's a problem. It doesn't help anything. I think that there's a lot of uh, like ideas that um, you, know, you know, civil unrest and uh, civil disobedience works, but that ceases to be civil disobedience because now you're directly breaking the law and you're just not, it's not even that's the problem. It's the idea that, that, how does that help? (laughs) And then you do alienate the whole thing that America has is America has this huge thing in people's ideologies and thinking. There's this huge middle ground of the people that are kind of just in the middle. Mm -hmm. You know, they don't have a dog in the fight. Mm -hmm. Um, And, like Clee said, they are, for obvious reasons, going to join a particular side, you know, in this case, getting behind protesters. But as soon as riots happen, it's a turnoff. So with what I started with and with all that, basically what Clee says is the consensus. I think that's just the way it is. Mm-hmm. But I think it all starts at the beginning with understanding what the hell's going on. Because um, yeah. anytime you get Antifa involved, like Antifa's not Black Lives Matter. You know, it's not the same thing. Mm-hmm. And uh, that's the thing that happens in, in just the way we talk about it. We just call things the protests. And it's like, now we're lumping shit together. Yeah, no, that's a good point. And that's something... Uh, I've never really thought of in that perspective, but it makes sense. Protests, riots, they're together now at this point. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Unfortunately so. Yeah, yeah. Takes away some of the point. 
I, I'd like to mention something. Yeah. Uh, you, you did, uh, John. You did mention that protests and riots. You know, they're very. Uh, they they kind of go together. Uh, I, you it's said like they, it's like Hegel's dialectic of the slave and the master. Like they need each other. There's like a direct yeah. reliance on each other, but it's more so one than the other. Like you cannot yeah. have these riots if they don't have a source of like, you know, all the makings for it. Yeah, I semi agree with it. However, I believe there's a whole other spectrum to the riot to riots in general, not to the riots that are going on now. For mm-hmm. example, when a sports team loses, mm-hmm. you know, sometimes a riot uh, happens. Yes. 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 So I, I, I get what you're saying. You're saying, hey, riots and protests, you know, unfortunately, they kind of go together. You know, mm-hmm. you, you can't have a riot without a protest. However, on the other hand, you also have these uh, riots that happen when, you know, favorite sports team loses. Uh huh. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I just wanted to make that point. Yeah, and uh, I mean, it's also a difference between organized gathering and just gathering. Yeah. Because organized gathering, there's a limit. There's an understanding that everybody's on the same page. But when everybody's running in all sorts of different directions, it's hard to equate the two. Yeah, so I think... So, I mean, could... I see what you're saying, but... Yeah, I, I think you could fairly say that when a lot of people are together... And they're mad about something, you know. It's that a riot can ensue from that. Uh huh. Mm-hmm. And I mean, I, I get. And it. I There's think that covers people... the protests, and that covers the sports teams. I mean, I get it. There's some people's philosophy that directly would take the words of someone like Franz Fanon, and Fanon was a uh, Algerian-born um, French writer, and. During the uh, occupation of Algeria, when there was basically uprising and whatnot, I'm sure Klee, the historical guru, could could back me up here if I leave any holes in this. He was big uh, writing about kind of civil disobedience and uprising, basically. And he wrote this thing called The Wretched of the Earth, which when the George Floyd thing came out, I think was the immediate thing that popped into my mind because it's like people were pissed off, you know, like that was a really like, it's hard to compare that particular thing to anything else. Cause that was just so like, that was just like someone fucking insulting your family member or something like that. It was worse than that. It was someone attacking a family member. Like it was just, it was so in such, such a cold blooded, you know, occurrence. Um, but I suppose like people are obviously going to take the ideas of Fanon who was saying that, you know, the only way to treat oppression is to basically hit them with the same force. And I think that that can be taken a lot more implicitly than it is taken explicitly. I think people read that and they go, okay, let's go out and smash up Amazon. But when you actually think about it, who, what are you doing by doing that? Like, now you're just yelling to make noise. You're not saying anything coherent. So I think that in that crowd, there's a whole philosophy there, but I think it's a, just a misperceived philosophy. I think that when we talk about 
evolution of protests, which is kind of where this question started, it's hard to say that reverting to violence is evolution. That's the mm. most that's the most animalistic primal thing to do. Mm. And I don't know if I have a tie it together statement or anything like that, but I'm just gonna leave it there for for that. Oh, I love it. Clay, any any thoughts? I guess we'll find out to see if the protests are bad in Sacramento tonight. We'll find Doesn't out. Doesn't sound like it's going to be good. Stay safe, Sacramento. Yeah, stay safe out there. Do, do you have any other additional thoughts you want to bring up on anything NBA, Sacramento Kings? Who are the Kings going to sign as a GM? No, I'm just kidding. I don't know. You want to? <laughs> no, I don't. I don't know. I don't. I'm not. I'm leave it for Twitter. Department. We'll leave that. We'll leave that for Twitter. Twitter. <laughs> Instagram followers would love to hear your thoughts on what we're talking about. I want to thank Clee and John for joining us from Clee Myself and Die. You can find them on Twitter at Clee Myself and Die. Clee C L E. We're also we're also on SoundCloud and we're also on Spotify. Awesome. We also have an Instagram. We also have a TikTok. You know, for all you Zoomers out there. <laughs> yeah. You know, uh, the only thing we don't really have is a Facebook. So you know. You can try and follow, find us uh, on any of the major platforms. And if you love listening to Tony's voice, you can listen to it on our podcast. He's on there quite often. I'm on Clean Myself and I. John here, also the editor of Cap City Crown, for those who don't know. John, uh, where can we find your other articles you write uh, I just on the Kings? Post them uh, very unorganized fashion on my Twitter uh, at Huxley was spot on, no spaces, underscores, anything like that. Uh, I'm, uh, it, you can find me there on Twitter. Uh, I, I retweet and engage a lot with the content from Clean Myself and I, so you could probably find me through there. Well, all right. NBA protest politics. Bucks uh, starting a movement in the NBA that uh, was felt among all sports. So that's going to conclude our podcast today. Thank you for all for tuning in. This is Tony with Clee and John from Clean Myself and I. Thank you for listening, and until next time. Goodbye.